1: episode 449 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hope and as promised, I am alone for today and tomorrow's shows. But in my defense, it is the international break, so really it's just a news dump day. And I do have the Sergio Busquets stuff coming up in a bit. Before that, I felt it would be appropriate for, as I said, a little bit of a news dump as we just kind of work through the international break and what is always... News to not believe, news to believe, and trying to figure out what's what. So, first up is the Messi transfer news. It's almost impossible to find out what is real and what isn't when it's in regards to Messi. What does seem to be real on all sides is that Messi would prefer to return to Barcelona than remain at PSG. And we knew that the decision he was going to be making was definitely going to be coming after PSG's Champions League campaign, which, again, it's the end of March, is already over. So it does seem like, however, he does intend to stay in Europe for at least another year. So the MLS or the Middle East will need to wait. The issue for Barcelona, because again, if he's not staying with renewing with PSG, I mean, is he really going to the Premier League? You know that Barcelona would be the place that he'd prefer to return to if anywhere in Europe. So again, the issue is fitting him into the wage limit at Barcelona for next season. And at present time, that is completely impossible, like at present time. But of course, no one has any idea what the wage limit will be for 2023-24. And that does include Tebas and La Liga, regardless of what Tebas says. Like th- these things are constantly changing and moving. And as we've said from the start, winning really matters for Barca in this season. And three trophies would help Barcelona more than we can imagine, even to the wage limit and to the financial reports that they submit to La Liga to figure out what that limit is and will be for 2023-24. Winning gives you leverage in a lot of negotiations, more so even with sponsors than players, so we'll have to wait and see. But where there's a will, there's a way. We all know that. And as far as Barcelona and how they would look with him back on the field, well, I think that's definitely a discussion for another time. Some more transfer stuff, and of course transfer news will be transfer news. It does always seem like Coulets and Madridistas have to find out where any player falls along that divide between Barcelona and Real Madrid. And we've known for a while that Florian Wurtz falls on the Coulets, half of that divide but the buyer Leverkusen midfielder is going to be very very expensive and of course he was linked to Barca I mean those are all loose links but for the first official time this week there was official links and I, I feel like I've never mentioned him before because he feels almost too perfect to fit in a three-man rotation with Gabi and Pedri in those two high interior spots and he is still 19 and the earliest he could even leave Leverkusen for a financially possible number that's for anybody not just Barcelona, but for anybody, is 2024. And the news that Barcelona and his father, who is also his agent, have been in contact, that is what created this you know, media storm or, or the full report. And then the player himself today even said that, while well, he hasn't talked to his father about it, which is a bit weird about it, but he hasn't talked to the agent part of his dad about these Barcelona links. He'd have to say that, I mean, either he has or he hasn't, so who knows about that stuff. But he is certainly focused on Leverkusen for the next year and a half. And again, remember, that conversation doesn't end with a transfer fee, even though that would be, uh, I mean, he's valued at like 70 million euros on transfer mark, but I think for a midfielder of his quality, that number is between 90 and like 115, depending on how he does in the next year and a half for Leverkusen and, and their success as well. It ends with the ability Barca has in the next two years to potentially register him. He'd likely be on between 10 and 15 million euros per year as his wages, which is impossible this year, obviously. So we'll see what the wage limit is in about 15 months. On the other side of that spectrum, as I've been saying for months, Inigo Martinez, the 31-year-old left-footed center back for Athletic Club, is likely going to be the first signing of the club for Barcelona this summer. He'll arrive on a free transfer, and I'd expect him to make somewhere between 5 and 7 million euros, which Barca should be able to fit into the weight structure. And I will talk about this potential and likely transfer on a future show because of the seriousness of it. So that's why it's kind of one of our quicker stories. Now, the name for the right-back spot that is being circled back to is Vanderson at Monaco this week, and those links may say more or will say less about Vanderson than it does about the players who likely won't be arriving to Barcelona, and that's the ones that we've been hearing for the last seven, eight months. That's Juan Foyth at Villarreal, Arna Martinez, who I've said would be my pick for a while now at Girona, Frimpong also at Leverkusen, I'll be enough, and then Pavard at Bayern Munich, and he can still very much renew. All of those seem to be looking less and less likely, And, you know, as I keep always saying with the fullback market, you can go through that list very, very quickly as to viable candidates who you would consider good enough or world class, whatever cliche word you want to use, world class enough to come to Barcelona. That list gets very short at the fullback's positions, both left back and right back, very, very quickly. And lastly, I'm not a big fan of this move, but I would also get used to the idea, I think, and I think everyone should get used to the idea of Yannick Carrasco. It seems as the club want to get him for 9 to $10 million from Atletico Madrid, and at 29, he'll likely take a reasonable wage and is a good age for a three- to four-year contract, not being a complete disaster. But at this point, I don't know what it is. Over the last few seasons, doing deals with Atletico Madrid, I mean, especially considering the fact that they sent Carrasco to China to kind of figure himself out and come back... <laughs> I'm concerned about that kind of move for this player. I I just don't feel like he's the right move. But again, if the club is cash-strapped and they have limited options, you could do worse than Carrasco, which again is not a compliment to a new player coming in. So the bad news is about, though, the health of Pedri and Dembele. So done with the transfer news here, because both of them are now unlikely to make it for the second leg of the Copa del Rey with Madrid at the start of April. It is a bummer for Barca, but I'm feeling way more confident about the other days of Clasico and what that could mean for the ability on the field of this team to take care of business, already up one nothing with that. I mean, I know away goals don't matter, but now you're back at home again because you got that one goal on the road. So I would say for Pedri and DeMille, just give them time. But injury relapses with those two are really unfortunate. At the same time, De Jong and Arajo are banged up and likely won't be playing football until Barca starts up again in a week and a half. So the other big one here, as you know, we're getting ready for this Busquets audio, the other big news is, of course, that Negrera case update. Now, nothing truly changes yet with the lawsuit. Again, I mean, this would be based on the hearing. So when there was an official report about what came through of the hearing, that's when we will officially know what's going to happen with that actual legal case that was already filed by the prosecutor's office and the claims that were made for the, the crime of corruption, as I spoke about last week. But It seems to be, on the back of reports that the Spanish Treasury found no evidence that Neguera influenced results in Barca's favor, the club has already begun the process of fighting back, which is their legal right to do, as they have filed 14 lawsuits against journalists and media that would have defamed the club's image, affecting sponsor deals, player interests, and the like. And Mike and I did say last week, too, that those sensational media, or all of that was made about the club getting these decisions because of red cards and penalties and uh, looking through all that kind of stuff, especially in Spain, where again, the club's image is so essential, right? When you have basically everyone there, either roots for Real Madrid or Barcelona, and then they have their club as well or their local club. So with Spain, especially being set that way to defame Barcelona, obviously for Barcelona, it's advantageous for them to take advantage of the minute they are able to win this lawsuit if you call it winning being found not guilty or not being convicted of the crime of punishment or crime of corruption that's a good thing for them so because defaming the club's image can affect sponsorship deals and player interests and and all that kind of stuff you know it's it is pretty wild already how things could quickly be shifting so what i will tell you is even i want to give it 24 hours so i'm going to take a big breath and i'll go at this all again tomorrow taking what we know now and taking what we might learn in the next 24 hours when I release another mini episode all about the former Barca forward Keeney. But when it comes to the Negrera case update, we're now with the Barca news, almost talking about something else, but that is tomorrow because today we're talking about Sergio Busquets and the options to come in as his successor. So here's that piece.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: The latest reports are that next season's replacement for Sergio Busquets will be, well, Sergio Busquets. At least, though, a much, much cheaper version of him. If he does indeed make 37 million euros this season, which is what's reported, and that's based on the inflated contract that was given to him by Bartomeu, next season, if he is renewing for that one year plus an additional one year based on games played at three to four million euros, well, that's basically an entirely different player. And much like as I've discussed with the renewal of Sergio Roberto and Marcos Alonso, I think these renewals say a lot more about the state of the club's finances than it actually does about the players themselves, and the faith that the club has in them. Of course, Xavi and Laporta and everybody else around the club. If a player is going to renew, you're not going to say, oh, well, we could use somebody else. Laporta and Xavi, mentioning a right back, should tell Sergio Roberto how important he is to their plans next year, but he is still renewed on a much smaller number because Barcelona don't want to have to look for somebody who's going to ask for more money as the 23rd or 24th player on the squad. Same thing as Marcus Alonso, as those are two players that kind of accept their role as bench options, as veteran players for low numbers, and so the club has taken that. And if Busquets is going to do the same, that's, of course, why they're renewing him more than desperately trying to overpay somebody to try to come in and replace him, if they can even register somebody. Because registering a player you already have, even though, yes, I know Gabi, Araujo, their renewals, it's a whole thing. But on paper, renewing players you already have is easier than bringing in somebody new to register. The tough reality is that Barcelona is still some time away from making moves for players, and they're stuck filling their bench with veterans willing to take pay cuts and continue to be a part of Xavi's project and, of course, live in the city of Barcelona. The other reality is there may not be that many options. As I looked over the summertime about those potential replacements for Busquets, well, a lot of those names are already gone because with the market and the money in the EPL and other teams trying to reinforce their squad, if Barcelona don't have the money in the moment, they have to basically re-scout and redo all their homework to find somebody new to play, and I don't even say replace Busquets, but play as a midfield pivot. Somebody who's able to play next to De young. if Xavi's going to go with that midfield four, or play next to De young if he's one of the interiors, and you do continue to push Gabi forward as an inside forward with Pedri on the right. So I think a pivot is still desperately needed, and as the purist explains in some of his videos, and I know many of you watch his stuff, I think Barcelona are in need of that player, not again to replace Busquets, to replace the function in that squad list. So now that we're just three months away from the summer transfer window, I did feel like it was an appropriate time to again look at some of those candidates and see what Barcelona can do to try to figure out some kind of contingency plan for a club legend. Player one is Sergio Busquets. I, I know, I know. I'm sorry for playing tricks on you, but of course, next year's replacement for Busquets might only actually be Sergio Busquets at the pivot position. As I said, the first pick is probably him because sticking around for another year and kicking this can down the road might be the easiest financial thing to do for the club. And here's the argument for it. I know you want to hear the one against it, but you know what the one against it is, is that he's gotten a bit too old, that they need to replace him for a younger model, and that Barca can't compete in Europe when they have somebody like him in his profile. As good as he is on the ball and all the great things he does, the club needs to begin to look forward. But the argument for him Would you rather bring in a player that Barca may be able to afford but either won't be a long-term option due to age or isn't good enough to actually start over the summer or would you take one more year of this version of Busquets and get a much better option the next season when Barca in theory can afford somebody? The interesting thing is that we can all admit that Busquets at 34 has taken a step back from his prime in the last two or three years. I'm fully admitting that. Just using La Liga as a standard He's played 69% of all minutes in Spain and been in the starting lineup 67% of games. Those percentages are all down in Europe and other domestic competitions, with the exception of more minutes in the Copa del Rey. So while it does appear that he's been in Xavi's Gala 11, he hasn't been relied on for those Iron Man minutes that he was even last season, when he was third on the team in minutes behind only Ter Stegen and Pedri. Three to four million euros is a squad player's salary, and maybe that's what he'll be next season. I'm not telling you to try to talk yourself into biscuits for next season. I, just like you, would love to bring in a young, high-quality pivot to take all or at least most of his minutes. But I am trying to explain why the necessary might not be all that bad for one year. The second player I want to talk about is Martin Zubamendi, because I was trying to figure out how to best organize the list of players that could potentially come in to replace Busquets if he does indeed choose to go to Al Nasser or into Miami, the two clubs that have been both most heavily linked with him. So I figure we break it up into dream picks, veterans, and unprovens. Yeah, I, I know I made that word up, unprovens, so instead we'll just start with the one and only dream pick. That's Martin Zubamendi. He knows the Liga through Real Sociedad, ranks highly in world football in pass completion, interceptions, clearances, and aerial duels won. But the eye test has been helpful to instill some faith in him as well. He's taken that leap this season that people hope for him, adding consistency to the promise he showed for two years now. And like Busquets, it's not amazing assists or moments I'm looking for. It's consistent diagonal balls, retaining possession under pressure, over and over and over again over multiple 90-minute windows. And to what I've seen, and I've watched Real Sociedad plenty, I think they have been one of the most enjoyable teams to watch in the Liga this season. I can tell you that, yeah, I've skipped a bunch of El Che matches, I've skipped a bunch of Cadiz matches, but Real Sociedad has been watchable. And Zubimendi, of all the things I've said that you'd hope that he does, he does to a really, really high level. And I think that's why he's probably not coming to Barcelona. 70 million is a release clause, and Barca won't be able to pay that before someone like Arsenal does. I'll be sad to see him leave, you also see Dad, but I'll also be sad to see the league lose another young player to the u k. Player three is okay gunnigan and now we get into that veteran category that I was talking about because obviously gunnigan not a young man he's thirty two turns thirty three in October, and he's available for Manchester City on a free this summer. What makes him so intriguing is he's one of the rare players in world football that I can actually see being comfortable in multiple midfield positions under Xabi. And not just say, on paper thing, or we can believe that he can do that. No, we've actually seen a large sample size for him playing multiple positions in different roles, whether it's the pivot, or we'll call it a destroyer, or as a high interior. He's done it all, basically, through all his years with Dortmund and Man City and the like. I think he can play in the pivot next to De Jong and behind Pedri, but he can also play as the inside forward where Gabi is, or back up Pedri on the right if necessary. His age means he's not the long-term answer, but a two-year deal with a third-year option for $6 million, he's definitely still worth that. He ranks in the top 20th percentile in most attacking categories involving passing, and I think the fact that he's a top-level player at multiple midfield positions and he's available explains why he seems to be the pick. The only real question is whether he can actually take on the defensive duties of a pivot at Barcelona. Not entirely sure about that, but just like the Busquets thing that I argue, you kind of have to go with the best player available for next year, and then kind of worry about what's available afterwards. Player four was going to be Inter Milan's Brozovic, but I felt like he wasn't possible, like it's just not going to happen. So instead, player four is Danny Parejo, whose name keeps popping up as an alternate for a lot of the names I'm mentioning and maybe even going to mention. Parejo is 33 and turning 34 in April. He's a poor man's, Gunnigan in almost every way. He can play as a pivot, yeah, I guess, behind the forwards, and in a two-pairing or midfield three. But I've always felt that he needs some defensive cover himself, which kind of disqualifies him from coming in as some kind of Busquets replacement. If anything, Barcelona would sell Kessie and bring in Parejo to replace him. That's, that's how I could see both the idea of Gunnigan and Parejo being necessary over the summer. But I am also kind of nervous that I don't think he can possibly cover the space that Gabi and Pedri do as those high-interiors, he just doesn't have that in his legs anymore. His contract expires next summer in 2024, so Barcelona would also need to pay something to get him out of Villarreal. That's why I'm not really sold on this. Even if he would take a huge discount in wages, at least I would expect him to do that at his age, to come to Barcelona, I just don't get this pick and Amrabat, yeah, he's a veteran, but not like the previous two, and he's not really unproven either, he's one of the only players who's really in their prime years, if you will, and his is a really tricky case, I think, too. He tried to move hell and high water to come to Barcelona in January, but due to financial fair play, it couldn't happen. He's only 26, and in his absolute prime, he ranks highly in all passing and game-changing categories as a defensive midfielder, and fans got to see the best of him at the World Cup, but that's where I start to get skeptical, too. Even though the World Cup happened in December, I still feel like Barca would be paying a premium price for a player who already showed you his best. Fiorentina fans have been pretty vocal about the fact that even though he's a regular starter in the midfield, his form and his club's form have been somewhat linked. The Viola has been average in Serie A this season, sitting 11th, and Emmerbat's form has reflected his team's. Valued at around 25 million, it may also cost something to get him out of the final year of his contract, which ended in 2024. Though the last argument in his favor is that the club has already established a relationship and agreeable terms to the player. So, as I keep saying, convenience may be key, and that may also be the case in the case of Emerbat. With Alan Varela, we now move on to the unproven. The first of two South Americans, Alan Varela, is a player that I have, for full discretion, watched in five matches in the last year for Boca Juniors. His transfer value is 10 million euros, and he has a contract until 2026, as he just signed an extension last August. Like many South American players, especially playing for River Plate or Boca Juniors, that extension usually doesn't mean you can't leave, but rather we would really like to get something for you. He's 21 now, turning 22 in July, and still feels like quite a bit of an unknown because he's played in South America, though he does play for one of the two biggest teams in Argentina, so once again I've been able to see him, but I haven't really seen the matches we'll say against inferior competition. It feels like only a matter of time though before he breaks into his national team, forever pushing that price tag outside of Barca's range. He's one of the best passers, especially from deep in the Liga Professional. and of all the players on this list, I feel like if you squint and close your eyes nice and tight, he's the player that most resembles Busquets. Again, when you're looking from a far distance, it seems like he looks like Busquets for better or worse. And from what I've seen, I think he has an innate ability to control the game from the pivot position. And I'd like to hear others' thoughts on how they think he would handle the increased speed of Europe, and if that would be a problem. Five games still, for me, isn't a sample size I'm totally comfortable with, and it also seems that the club has moved off of him for a number of reasons. He's not really been in the news cycle for a while now. And that might mean that maybe Premier League clubs are already offering bigger numbers, which does make sense to me. Sticking with the improvements is Fabricio Diaz. So a little cheaper is Diaz, a 20-year-old midfielder for Liverpool, no, not that Liverpool, in Uruguay. The Uruguayan has a contract till 2026, but apparently the number to get him would be around 6 million euros. To be honest, I've always seen the same highlights and compilations that you may have, the ones that try to prove to us that he's a very vertical dribbler and passer and ball winner. More actually in the mode of Frankie de Jong, or even Pedri when he plays as the pivot, so not Pedri, but Pedri when he plays as the pivot in that two-man midfield, than Busquets. He is not like Busquets almost at all, but he may not need to be. And ironically enough, I think there's a world where his timeline matches Barca the best of almost all the names on this list. If Busquets renews for another year and Diaz signs for Barca Athletic, as expected he may do to help himself transition from Uruguayan football to Europe, like Araujo did, that transition may fit Barcelona's timeline the best for the cheapest overall number. And having him register with Barca Athletic next season also gives the club a bit of wiggle room with financial fair play. I just wish Uruguayan football wasn't so difficult to find. Nico Gonzalez, and I guess there should have been another option that would have been in-house players, because I do want to talk about Nico Gonzalez. It's one of those, maybe the answer was looking for you all along and the friends we made along the way, I'm not sure whatever it is. But I think the last two definitely fall into this unproven category as well as in-house. You can mention others in lower age groups, but Kessie will start next season over all of those. So I know that there are you 19 players or U18 players or even U16 players that you want to mention to me. Fair, I know the names, I hear about them, <laughs> watch my La Masia videos, you'll get a look at those, but for next season at least, Kessie will start over them. Kessie will also probably start over Nico Gonzalez too next year, but it does bring up a fair conversation as to why Barca wouldn't try Nico out and limit Busquets' role next season if they can't afford anybody. He's just come back from an injury, and the next two months at Valencia could be huge for him. I thought he did a really good job in Busquets' spot in the preseason, I even got to see him live when De young was being frozen out at center back, but Xavi saw something different than I did. At Valencia, that being for Nico, he's had some starts as the rotated back pivot or one of the back interiors. So he only started about 25% of games and played 27% of total minutes for a team staring down relegation, and his injury didn't help those figures obviously. Numbers wise, he ranks highly in all the pressing and passing categories you could look for at that position, but my main concern with him has always been his ability to control a game, or should I say inability, because I feel like he doesn't make the opponent go at his pace. And even at Valencia, I'm still not seeing that and it still remains my primary concern with him. He just turned 21, so that may still come, but I'm not sure if Barcelona will wait if someone comes and an offer for him over the summer. To wrap things up with Marc Casado, and speaking of unprovens again, and speaking of what we might see over the summertime, Marc Casado has been really important to Barca Athletic this year, and he is only 19, but I'm not sure he's a long-term answer either. His 24-minute Champions League cameo was his Barca debut this season, and I can't imagine he'll get much more in the spring. To me, he seems like a less physical version of Nico, though I think he's even more comfortable playing a bit deeper where you'd expect him to go. However, he isn't necessarily a very good ball winner, even for his level, and his passing is good, but not elite. He does have those ball skills sometimes, but I don't see much consistency with those essential diagonal balls from deep positions. His close control, ball retention, and skillful footwork do indicate a future professional, but I think Kool-Aid's would be best to not put too many expectations on his first team Barca future. Alright, so I know that was a bit of a downer, but as I've come to expect, the viewers here on this channel or the listeners to the podcast, you know that I try to stay pretty tight wrapped into reality, and I leave those other Barca channels to kind of be more sensational and go at it as much as an upsetting as I can be sometimes. But I do appreciate you watching and, like me, understanding that the bad times only make the good times feel that much better. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that. Very much like all the other stuff when it comes to the transfer news about Barcelona, it's uh, who knows at this point in the season, but certainly Busquets and everyone else just focused on the two potential trophies that are left, that being Liga and the Copa del Rey. So if you enjoyed this one, and I do expect that this kind of show is more targeted at those who regularly listen. So, but hey, I don't know. If you're somebody new or somebody returning to the pod, remember, you can follow along for everything that's going on, even this week, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, close Facebook group. As well as the Discord, Patreon, and TikTok. So I think I had everything. But most importantly, I will talk to you again tomorrow. Instead, I got the Keeney stuff, and I'll do the Negreira case update tomorrow. So thanks so much for listening to the show today. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. For tomorrow's the,
2: the headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place.